Father, I say thank you. Father, I say thank you. Father, I say thank you. If you have an understanding of what God's goodness is, if you understand that the breath that you take in right now is as a result of God's goodness, if you understand that you being able to talk is an example of God's goodness, if you understand that you being in your right mind is an example of God's goodness, if you understand that you, you've had something to eat or you ate something yesterday is an example of God's goodness, open up your mouth and say, Father, I thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you for your goodness. If you look at your life, you will know that where you are right now is not where you were last year. It's not the same place you were 10 years ago. So say, Father, I thank you for your consistent goodness, for your consistent goodness in my life, for your consistent goodness in my life. Father, thank you. 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 Ah, le caradusiande, brezuze, prenke dusianda la tuze. Ah, la tosa taneye de geboshada. Libre kedusianda calibre neza la to. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you at this moment to walk up to someone and just say, I'm happy to see you in church. Hope you had a great day. With a beautiful smile on your face. I'm happy to see you in church. Hope you had a great day. If you did not have a great day, tell the person, I will tell you how it went later. Hallelujah. Before we take our seats, please let's find our way to the middle aisle if, as quickly as possible. And let us celebrate our Father in the house, Reverend Ebenezer Mobudé. Let us celebrate him. And to the pastorate, and to everyone, and to yourself, to celebrate yourself for coming to church this evening. People are not happy that you came to church this evening. I want to say a big thank you to, you may have your seats, I want to say a big thank you to Reverend for this opportunity to share the word with each and every one of us. I know that this is one point in our lives where some of us, once we get here, we can be very nervous and shy. But the Lord said he has given us the spirit of boldness. So <laughs> whenever we have the opportunity to share the word, the spirit of the Lord is available. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, O oh God, for the time that you've given to us. We thank you for the privilege you've given us to gather, to fellowship at your feet. Lord, we ask, O oh God, that as we hear your word, as we share your word, let your word do us good. And let your spirit brood over our hearts. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Our theme for this month is what? Exceeding grace. And if there's one thing that I enjoy being a part of this ministry for, is that every theme of the month is always resounding for that month. There is always something. And if you are yet to key into the theme of the month, I think you should and henceforth take it seriously. I have seen it manifest over and over again in my life. And, and I know it will do the same for each and every one of us in Jesus' name. So exceeding grace and our theme, our 
scripture theme is taken from 1 Timothy 1 verse 14. Am I right? And I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. It says, And the grace, unmerited favor, and blessing of our Lord actually flowed out super abundantly and beyond measure for me. That word, super abundantly, is my new word for this month. Everything that God does for me, super abundantly and beyond measure. Accompanied by faith and love that are to be realized in Christ Jesus. That are to be realized in Christ Jesus. Now, our sharing of the word today is going to be a very bumpy ride. We are going to have U-turns, roundabouts, side left, right, like that, but we'll get to the destination. Let's open to 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. We are going somewhere. Praise God. It says, who had saved us and called us with an holy calling, a calling that leads to a consecrated life, a life set apart, a life of purpose. I'm reading the Amplified Version, Classic Edition. Not because of our works, or because of any personal merits, we could do nothing to earn this. But because of his own purpose and grace, his amazing, undeserved favor, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began eternal ages ago. Everything about grace, everything that we know, the ideology, the concept, the word grace, everything is centered on Jesus Christ. Jesus is at the center of grace. You can't talk about grace without talking about Christ Jesus. You can't talk about Christ Jesus without talking about grace. In all of the acronyms and everything that we have on the word grace, the one that sticks to me most is the one that says Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. What does that mean? It means that we have the blank checkbook already signed by Christ Jesus. God has given us the access to his bank account, to his storehouse. And that access is Christ Jesus. Imagine you've been given a blank checkbook and it's already signed. It means that any figure you put on it, once you go into the bank, you can withdraw it as long as it's in there. And God's riches are unlimited, right? They are unlimited and it's all around, both physical and spiritual. There is nothing that it is that you are looking for in God's riches. It's beyond the paper called money. It's beyond the currency dollars or pounds. It is exceedingly abundantly above everything. So it is all encompassing, everything that we are looking for. So you have that access card into God's storehouse. He said, I will supply all your needs, not your wants. All your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So you cannot have that access unless... You have Christ Jesus. Unless you have assessed grace. Unless you have come in contact with grace. You have come in contact with Jesus Christ. Amen. Now the one thing, the reason why I'm emphasizing on grace, on Jesus Christ as grace, is that 
Jesus is grace personified. He's grace personified. And for someone to be personified, that means the person, you can actually see the person. Now, though we didn't get to see our Lord Jesus, but his stories are there for us to read and to get inspiration from. So his time on earth, throughout his time on earth, he did unusual things. He made the word extra in extraordinary. He never did anything in an ordinary way. He went the extra mile. So if you have got Christ in you, if you have hid in Christ and Christ in God, it means what? You are meant to do unusual things. You are meant to go the extra mile. You are not supposed to sit in the corner in a life of mediocrity, in the life of the background. You are meant to be in the forefront. You are, first of all, you are what? Light. Shine your light. Do you now light up a, a candle and put it under a bushel? The Bible says what? No. So if you are a carrier of Jesus Christ, grace personified, and while his time on earth, the one who we are trying to be like, the one who we are emulating, the one whose character we see and, want, and we want to live in, while on earth he did extraordinary things, then what is it that is making you think that you should be okay with the less that you are in? That you shouldn't reach out for more? That you shouldn't do the extraordinary? That you shouldn't go above and beyond? That you shouldn't let God's glory and grace in your life be manifested? We need to ensure that in everything we do, we work with the mindset of, excellence. We walk with the mindset of this thing as long as it is in my hand it has to come out unusual. Let us open. We want to go through the story of Jesus. His first miracle in the Bible. John chapter 2. It's the wedding at Canaan. If you have your Bibles open to John chapter 2. There is something so striking about our Lord Jesus. He started his ministry at age 30 from Bible analysis and from the Bible in John. And John chapter 3, the Bible says that he started his ministry at 30. The first time that he went to that his childhood apart from his birth was mentioned was when he was 12 years old. And when he went into the synagogue to Jerusalem to sit down with the scribes and the big men in the church to learn at their feet and to also teach them. Now from 12 years that he was, 12 years old that he was till his age, age 30, what was he doing? What was Christ Jesus doing from age 12 to 30? He was studying. He was preparing himself. He was going through the process. Bible says, study yourself, study to show thyself approved. A workman rightly dividing the word of truth. That needed not to be ashamed. So from that time, he gave himself up for training just to do th three years of ministry. Three years. And in that three years, we're still talking about it till tomorrow. The ones that I recorded. For 18 years, 18, I, I, let's not talk about from 1 to 12, from 12 to 30, 18 years, 
he was preparing himself for just three years. And we're still talking about it here today. So if that is someone that we are seeking to be after, we are working daily to be after, to work out our salvation, to be perfect in him, what are we doing trying to rush things? Let us go back to the scripture, John 2 verse 1. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited with his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. In my head, I'm wondering, it is not my wedding. It is not my brother's wedding. It's not my cousin's wedding. We are just invitees. Wait till come consign me, consign wine when don't finish. Wait till even consign my mama, consign wine when don't finish. But the mother understood his assignment. We'll come back to that. Jesus said to her, dear woman, what is it that to you and to me? What do we have in common? Leave it to me. My time, our to act, has not yet come. He understood timing. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there are six water pots of stone standing there. As the Jewish custom of purification, ceremonial washing demanded, holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. Then he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the manager of the feast, to the one presiding, the superintendent of the banquet, the master of ceremony, the head waiter of the ceremony. So they took him some. And when the manager tasted the water, just now turned into wine. Not knowing where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, he called the bridegroom and he said to him, everyone else serves the best wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then he serves that which is not so good. But you have kept back the good wine until now. This, verse 11, this, the first of his signs, miracles, wonder works, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. By it, he displayed his greatness and his power openly. And his disciples believed in him, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on him. And that is what the grace of God does. It makes the difference. The grace of God does what? It makes the difference. How can a pot that was filled with water, now being drawn, taste best, the best quality of wine? How? The grace makes the difference. There is this um, TV commercial. Um, I think I mentioned this some time in a place. There's this TV commercial, Indomie um, commercial that's came out some time ago and the little girl was saying to the malam that sold her indomie, the taste is the difference. The difference is the taste. Do we remember that commercial? The first time I saw that commercial in my head, I'm like, the team that prepared this advert, what were they thinking? Is something wrong with them? This is a blunder. Why would you allow this thing to fly? And I expected that they would take it down, that you'll probably not see it again. But it kept on coming up. It kept on coming up. And the more I saw it, the more it made sense to me. You know, there are different types of noodles. You have Indomie noodles, 
Mimi noodles, Chiki Chiki, my favorite. You have Dangote noodles. All of them, they don't taste alike. No matter how you want to prepare the Indomie, the noodles, they don't taste alike. So the taste is the difference. They are all wrapped differently. They are all wrapped differently. They are made by different companies. That is also a difference. But if you take out the wrap and you leave out the noodles, and then let's say you are doing a competition and you tell everyone to prepare it, will you not know which one is Indomie? Will you not know which one is Indomie? Of course you will know which one is Indomie. Me, I will know which one is Chiki Chiki. I will know because the difference is the taste. And that is grace. Grace is the difference, and the difference is grace. So in that office where you are, and someone walks up to you and tells you, why is it that you are the only one they are picking? What is so special about you? Why are you the only one going for training? Why are you the only one up for promotion? Why is the money always coming to you? Why, 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 why you, why you, why you? Your reply should be, the grace is the difference. And they will be like, are you the only born again Christian here? Are you the only person that knows God? Are you the only one that goes to church? Every other person here, don't they go to church? Don't they serve God? What is it about you? Then you tell them the difference is the grace. Because grace is at levels. Grace is at levels. Reverend taught us on Sunday that we grow in grace. So, now you can't know if you not choose to grow for your own grace. In this place, my level of grace is high. That is why it seems like people are coming to me instead to favor me. That's why it seems like I'm receiving unmerited favor in a higher dimension. So, what Reverend taught us, if you, if you are not here on Sunday, go back and listen to it. If you are here on Sunday, go back and listen to it again. How to grow in grace. Because in all that you have been called to as a child of God, you are not supposed to be in the background. You are supposed to do extraordinary things, unusual things, things that have not been heard of. Turning water into wine should be the list of the things that you manifest about God's glory. It says that there's something I want to share with us. If you don't manifest God's glory and grace upon your life, people would not come to believe that God is real and authentic. If you do not manifest, if you are allowing fear to hold you back, from enjoying the beauties of God's grace and mercy, from enjoying the riches of God's mercy and grace, men will not come to know that God is real and authentic. He needs you to be a witness. He needs you to be a sign and a wonder. He needs you to show for that spirit of excellence that is in you so that men will come and ask that question. What is it about you that makes you so special? What is it about you that is making you different? In that place of work, in your business, do things with extraordinary touch, extraordinary class. And the thing is, you don't have to put yourself under too much pressure to do so much. That is where grace comes in. That is where grace comes in. Now, how do we walk in grace to be unusual? How do we walk in grace to be unusual? Number one, allow yourself go through the process like Christ did. Remember I said that our journey is going to be a bumpy ride. U-turns back and forth, roundabout. Now we are back to the beginning. Allow, allow yourself go through the process like Christ did. Be patient and understand 
your timing. Now, it may require you to do it, maybe not for 18 years. Sometimes it may require you to do it your entire lifetime. If you look at Joseph, from when he was born and he was a small boy with his brothers, he was interpreting dreams. He was dreaming dreams, interpreting dreams, up to Potiphar's house, up to the prison, dreaming dreams, interpreting dreams. And then in front of Pharaoh, he interpreted dreams. He became a prime minister. Was there anything about him interpreting dreams again? Was there anything about Joseph interpreting dreams again after that encounter with Pharaoh? Everything that happened to Joseph was to prepare him for that very moment. And now it is to the glory of God so that the children of Israel may come to Egypt, to Goshen. That was what Joseph was just preparing for, that very moment to appear before Pharaoh. So allow yourself go through the process. I'm not saying this for you to be scared of the process. God has said in his word that he will not allow you more than you can handle. He will not give you a temptation more than you can handle. He will always make a way of escape. So trust him, rely on him, believe in him to take you through the process and enjoy your timing. See, enjoy your timing so you do not miss the little goodness of God along the way. So you do not miss the little trainings and lessons that God is telling you at this moment for you to pick up and learn. So you do not miss the trimmings and the prunings that God is supposed to do in your life. Allow yourself go through the process. Allow yourself. Don't be in a hurry to be somewhere that you will finally get to. Don't be in a hurry to get there. Don't be in a hurry to get there. If you are always in a hurry, there is something that I'm going to liken what the situation of that person, not you, is going to be like. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse 6, it says that they are like stuttered shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. Pastor Alfred mentioned the scripture last Wednesday. Me, I'm going to paraphrase it. If you are in a hurry too much, you know grass. In fact, you know the desert. There is not trees. Trees don't grow in the desert. They are just very stotted plants that grow, very short things that grow. Because they have access to no water. If you are in a hurry, the Bible says that that is how you would be. You will not see good when it comes. You will miss it. You are flying. You are moving. Pew! You will not see good when it's by your left or by your right. It's just like temple run. You are missing the coins on the left and on the right. Because you are running so fast. But it's, the verse 8 says that for he shall be the one who is blessed, the one who trusts in the Lord to allow him go through the process, to allow God take them through the process. The Bible says that he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreaded out his roots by the river. He will not see heat when it comes. He will always have fruit, have fruit in due season. So, when you are connected to God, a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, your roots are spreading out. So you are constantly in supply of water. You are constantly flourishing. You, whether rain falls or rain does not fall, you are connected to water. You won't feel it. That is someone who is allowing themselves to go through the process. Jesus Christ says that I am the vine, you are the branches. If you must come to the Father, you must come through me. So let's say the father is the roots. The branch cannot survive without the, the, the vine. Abi, if you cut off the branch, the branch will dry off. To dry up. But if you are connected to Christ, 
Christ is in God, you continuously flourish. So don't be afraid of going through the process. Trust that you are hidden Christ in God. So you already have grace activated in your life. So when men are drying up, they will see you flourishing. And they will come to understand that, okay, he's connected to water, he's close to water, that's why. And it's the glory and honor of God's name to bring men, to draw men to the tree that is flourishing. Imagine in a land where there is famine, you are the only one that has fruit. Will people not run to you to eat? They will come, run to you to come and take something. Praise God. Hallelujah. Another thing is, number two, we have to recognize, recognize your authenticity and uniqueness by first knowing what is written about you like Christ did when he was 12 years old. The son of God, he went to study. He went to find out what it is that they've written about him. What have you given yourself to find out that is written about you? You cannot live life on earth like a headless chicken without a purpose. Tossed like, like shaft to the wind. Left, right, roundabout, everywhere you are found. No. Don't be like them in the world. Live your life with a direction. And the only way you can find that direction is in God. It's by taking your time to study his word. What, Father, what have you said about me? Me, me, not somebody else. Not me comparing myself to Royal or comparing myself to Abraham. But me as gift. God, what have you said about me? I'm not going to compare because someone is doing AB is playing the keyboard so well. I want to play the keyboard so well, but that may not be what you have called me to do. So I choose to recognize my authenticity and my uniqueness. My me. What is it about me that you want to use? Because you are a significant factor in God's plan for humanity. Don't think that you are irrelevant. Don't think that you are useless. Don't think that you are some ant somewhere that should be squashed. You are a significant factor in God's plan for humanity. So every day that you wake up, have that in the back of your mind, in the front of your mind, all around your mind. Father, there is something that you have for me today that I am supposed to achieve, that I am supposed to do. You may not see the end result, but it's, it is definitely taking you somewhere. I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you to bring you to an expected end. There is a destination. So, but you have to recognize your place. You don't want to run in another person's tracks and then when you get to the end, you did not run the race. You're running somebody else's own. Go back and start all over again. God forbid. So you have to be comfortable with being you because other persons are already taken. And God needs that thing in you to do the extraordinary. He needs that thing about you to do the extraordinary. For Joseph, he needed that interpretation of dream, that gift to do the extraordinary so that he would be the one in charge to later bring the people a promise that he made to Abraham almost 400 years back. You see, God, he's very intentional. He's very, very intentional. He's intentional about you. He's intentional about me. So, but that is not an excuse for you to give up for bad behavior and saying that this bad thing that I'm doing now is God's plan and purpose. 
I'm doing it. That is not an excuse. It's not an excuse for silly behavior. Praise God. Praise God. Another thing we need to do is to be audacious and be bold to be you. Don't be scared. We've mentioned this before. Don't be scared. If you are the only right-standing person in the room, remain the only right-standing person in the room. At the end of the day, everybody will come back to you. At the end of the day, everybody will come back to you. Don't be scared to declare the grace of God upon your life. That you are saved, that you are redeemed, that you are loved, that you are gifted, that you do things excellently well. Do not be scared to declare it openly and publicly that the grace of God is working in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Another thing we need to do is to surround, surround yourself with people who understand God's purpose for your life. If we look at Jesus' life, when he was 12 years old, when he went into Jerusalem, in, that was in Luke 2, verse 51. The Bible says that he told his mom, what is it? Why are you looking for me? I'm about my father's business. And the Bible recorded that the mother took notes of everything that Jesus said. You can check it. Luke 2, verse 51. The mother took note of everything Jesus was saying. And then in this story in the wedding in Cana, she was not the one that went to tell him, Oga, why not finish you? Why would you come? Like, I don't understand. It's only somebody who understands the purpose of the son that will go and tell him and say, Oh, God, I know that you can do something. Wine has finished. And he answered that, well, to me, it's a very sarcastic reply. Like, what, is, what do we have in common? What is it about him now? What are you looking for from me? But she didn't listen to him. She went to tell the servants, not the disciples, the servants. These servants have not been with Jesus, so. They were, they were not called by Jesus Christ. They were not Peter. They were not John. She went to tell the servant, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That is a woman who understood the purpose of God in the life of Jesus. Who understood Jesus' purpose on earth. So if you want to do unusual things, surround yourself with the right people. Find the person that understands God's purpose for your life. That will be praying for you and interceding for you. And giving you godly advice. So that your journey on earth, trust me, it may not be entirely smooth, but you will go through it. Mary understood the purpose of Jesus coming. That's why she could tell him, guy, wine has finished. Wine has finished. And another usual, unusual thing that Christ did was that the wine finished, yes. But in a wine bottle, there would definitely be drops of wine inside the bottle. Abby. Why did he not multiply that drop of wine? He could have as well multiplied that drop of, after all, three, I mean, five loaves of bread and two fish. He could have multiplied that drop of wine, but he chose to go with water. As ordinary as H2O, he wants to start the <laughs> he wants to start the process all over again. Do you know that if he had multiplied that drop of wine, no one would have noticed that the wine was different. They would have assumed that it was a jar that was reserved and brought back. But he needed them to understand that there is something different 
there is someone different in this room. There's someone unusual in this room. So he had to tell, fill up the jars with water. Let's do it from the beginning. So that when you drink this wine, you will understand that there is something different. If Christ had not made the new wine, they wouldn't have noticed that something was different from the wine. So surround yourself with people who believe in God's plan for you. Unlike the disciples. It was after that that the disciples then believed, trusted, and relied in him. It was after that process, turning water into wine. And the master of the ceremony drank the wine and commented. That was when the disciples now believed and trusted and relied in him. The servants that went on the assignment, that they have not been with Jesus Christ. He told them, the same water you filled, draw it up and go and serve the master of ceremony. It took another level of faith for those servants to do that. They could have complained and said, no, we are not doing it. It's water now. You want them to sack us. You want them to fire us. You want them to beat us. But they took it. The disciples were just staring and watching drama. A cinema. It was after that, people that he called, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That was when they believed. That was when they believed. And it's the same thing that God wants us to do. To do things that will draw men to believe. In the upper room, the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 2, the upper room, after the disciples were filled with the Holy Ghost and they came down, the Bible says that they were speaking in diverse kinds of tongues. And people heard their own language. For instance, Pastor Alfred heard his own language. Pastor Mark Urobo, he heard his own language. Yoruba heard his own. Everybody was hearing their own according to their language. And they confessed of God's mighty works. So there is something about you that brings us back again. There is something about you that is unique to you that will answer to a need in the world. So don't try to be somebody else. Be unusual in that thing that you are doing. Be unusual in that thing that you are doing. Don't, don't, don't get soaked up in wanting to be somebody else. It's good to have a role model, to have a mentor that guides you, to lead you. But seek in everything to be you. Don't lose yourself. To be a dangerous thing, to lose yourself in the midst of everything. Another thing we need to do is to be completely obedient to God's instructions. Reverend mentioned that to us on Sunday. God will not always give you the entire picture. He will not always give you the entire picture. But he, as long as you are going with him, he will keep leading you. And you will not miss your foot or dash your feet against the stone. He will keep leading you. Just be obedient. If he tells you to jump, you ask, how high? If he asks you to jump, how high? Not, who will catch me if I fall? I will break my leg. Where will I land? No need to ask questions. Just say, how high do you want me to go? I will go. Anywhere you lead me, Lord, I will go. Anywhere. Anywhere. And it's until you choose, until you obey, that is when you will step out and step in into his plans. He will not speak until you step into his plans, until you agree and relinquish all your rights and you give up everything, your rights to privacy. You give everything up and you follow him. That's when he will open up and speak to you and tell you 
one after the other, the next thing you should do. The last thing we're going to talk about is fill up your life with the word of God. He told the servants, go and fill up the jar. We've heard this saying over and over again, you can't give what you don't have. Fill up yourself with the word of God. Fill up yourself with the word of God so that when men come to draw out, you're collecting fresh and sweet wine. Don't fill up and stop. You become stale. Don't fill up and stop. But fill up to give out. Fill up to give out. Fill up to give out. And the most important thing we should remember to do is be prayerful. Be prayerful. Let your bank be always full with prayers. Some of the things, by the grace of God, that I'm enjoying now, if I if I, anytime I evaluate, not if, anytime I evaluate my life and what is happening to me, I'll say, Father, thank you for answering the prayer that I prayed years ago. The day that I will give my testimony in this church, the full version, maybe to be one full service. But God has been so good to me when it comes to my education. The enemy has, the enemy fought and funny enough, I've been asking myself, what is it about me? I know I'm great, but it's like the enemy is not fighting me. I know I'm great. Why is the enemy not fighting me? Why is the enemy not fighting me? And then the thought dropped on me. Your education that you should have finished how many years ago? Is it not now that you're in final year? I'm like, Father, thank you for being good to me. Then when I was young, I used to pray, Father, let my helpers be in strategic positions for me in my life. Place them in strategic positions of my life. Anywhere I will need help, let my helpers be available for me. And throughout, as the enemy tried to fight my education, I have seen help like never before. Plus the wrong decision I make, plus the right one, there is always help. Help everywhere. Help everywhere. Don't let your prayer bank be empty. Don't let your, as, as insignificant as, Lord, I pray for my tomorrow. I pray for my today. That everything is going to be good. Everything will be smooth. My work, the works of my hands is blessed. The fruits of my basket is blessed. I receive help from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. No prayer is small. So fill up your bank. Because you will see the answer tomorrow and you'll be like, oh my, wow, the grace of God is, wow. You will not remember that it is a prayer you prayed some time ago, that it's, the answer is being manifested. Let your prayer bank be full. And the one thing I would want to share with us is this thing that Reverend tells us to do anytime he's praying for us when he's praying for tithers. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. I don't know about you, but I take that phrase very seriously. It is one thing to believe. It is one thing to receive. It is another thing to accept it. Help came, but I didn't receive it. I didn't accept it. I believed that help would come. But when the help came, I didn't receive it. I didn't accept it. 
you want to do a Bluetooth share on your phone, your phone will give you the notification. It has come. But do you accept it? Your phone has received the connection. But do you accept it? Until you click accept, that document or that file will not drop. So when Rev says, declare it in the prayers as he has prayed, I believe it, I receive it, I accept it. Truly let it make sense to you. Rise up on your feet. We are going to do a series exceeding grace through this month. But you will not enjoy the full benefits of it if you do not believe it, if you do not receive it, if you do not accept it. You're accepting it means that you're working with that consciousness. You're accepting it means that you are working in that authority. You're accepting it means that your mindset has been transformed and it's been renewed. That you know that you are walking in extraordinary, exceeding, superabundantly grace. Functioning and at work in your life. So open up your mouth and say, Father, I walk in grace this month. I walk in grace this month. I do things excellently well. I have the grace to do things excellently well. I have the grace at work in me to do things excellently well. I refuse to settle to the background. I refuse to settle for less. I strive for more. Lord, everything that you need me to do, I receive it, I believe it, I accept it. The grace to function in that thing. The grace to function in that thing. The grace to function in that thing. And to do it excellently well. In my business, I receive grace to run it excellently well. In my academics, I receive grace to be a student excellently well. As a child of God, I receive the grace to be a child of God excellently well. To be a child in my house, I receive the grace to be a child excellently well. To be a sister excellently well. To be a brother excellently well. To give excellently well. To pray excellently And everything, Lord, I receive the grace to do things excellently. I receive the grace to do things unusually. The Lord God Almighty in the works of my hands, in whatever I do that is in, in line with your will for my life, Lord God Almighty, it is a testimony of unusual. It is a testimony of extraordinary. It is a testimony of unusual. It is a testimony of extraordinary. I refuse to settle for less. I refuse to settle for less. I refuse to settle for less. I receive grace from an eye. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. Your grace, oh God, to work and function excellently. 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 Speak over the works of your hands. Speak over your hands. Now, Father, whatever I lay to do, whatever it is I find myself doing, Lord, I do it excellently well. Men will seek me out. Men will seek me out. Men will seek me out in any corner. In any corner. In any corner I find myself. Men will seek me out. They will seek me out for excellence. They will seek me out for excellence. They will seek me out for excellence. I do things excellently well. I do things excellently well. I've got exceeding grace at work in my life. I've got exceeding grace at work in my life. I've got exceeding grace at work in my life. Ah, 